Welcome to episode 76 of Inbound Agency Journey. This is Andrew, and I am fired up to have you here this week because we have some great content lined up for you. This week, I talk with Drew McClellan. Drew is the CEO of Agency Management Institute. He's also the host of a fairly new podcast called Build a Better Agency, but it's only been around since October, but he's already packed in a ton of value, some awesome guests on that podcast. And today, Drew brings over 20 years of experience in the agency space to the inbound agency journey community. We have a really wide-ranging conversation about all things agency growth, agency optimization, things that are hard for us to do but are so good for our businesses. So without further ado, folks, here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. Drew, welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. We're so excited to have you here today. Um, Do you want to kick us off just by sharing some of your background, your entrepreneurial journey, and how you've gotten to where you are today? Sure. Sure. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for thanks for the invitation. So I um, went to school uh, for marketing and advertising. Um, started actually working in an agency while I was still in school. One of my adjunct professors was the creative director at Gray in Minneapolis, and so she hired me to do some freelance writing, and I worked for them all through my undergrad and graduate uh, work. After I finished school, I headed um, out to YNR. Um, and worked for them uh, for several years, which was great training ground for a young buck in the business. Worked for a couple regional agencies and at the ripe age of 30, which I tell people I was sort of the perfect combination of arrogant and ignorant. Uh, <laughs> I, I sort of thought, how hard can it be to run an agency? So I left the agency that I was with and, and launched my agency, which is now 21 years old. Um, and so, you know, in some ways it was kind of dumb luck. I, I, I didn't go to college. I think the generation today, um, who's coming out of school has a very different attitude about entrepreneurship and it seems much more accessible today. It never really occurred to me that I would be a business owner. I always thought, Oh, I'm going to, I might run an agency for somebody someday, but, um, obviously that's not the way that played out. So, so, you know, a couple of years into owning the agency, I had some employees and things were cooking and it occurred to me that I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't know the business side of the business. I didn't really understand the financial implications of the choices I was making. Um, and so I found an organization called Agency Management Roundtable, which was started by a guy who used to run an agency and realized that most agency owners are accidental business owners. We're great at whatever skill we have. So copywriting, account service, growing, helping clients grow their business. But a lot of us became agency owners almost by accident. Uh, we were either downsized or we quit or we just hung up a shingle thinking we'd freelance. And then all of a sudden we turn around and we're like, oh, shoot, I've got 10 employees. I'm running a business. So this guy, anyway, he started this group with the idea that it would teach agency owners how to be business owners. So I joined it and it was transformational for me in terms of learning how to run my business, how to know if I was profitable, how to make myself more profitable, 
<clears throat> just a litany of things that I learned in my time there. So anyway, I, w I was a member. It's a membership-based uh, organization. I was a member for many years. And then, interestingly enough, about a decade ago, the founder came to me and he said, I think you're the guy. I want to retire. I'm looking for a successor. I think you have the right mix of skills and passion around the business. I think you should run the business. And so long story short, um, after se several years of saying I'm not the guy, I decided I was the guy. So I bought the, <laughs> I bought the business from him and now I split my time between still running my own agency and working with about 250 or so small to mid-sized agencies. So anywhere from no employees to maybe 300 employees, helping them learn how to run their business better. So that's that's my story. I'm I'm an agency guy through and through. I've never worked other than like part-time jobs when I was a kid. I've never worked anywhere else. Wow, that is an awesome background, awesome story. Ever the reluctant business owner there. That's great. Right, right. That's awesome. Uh, so now like when you're working this balance between the two, what does on the agency side of things, what types of clients are you guys working with? What types of services are you providing on that side? Yeah, so most of our clients sell into the financial industry. So our clients, our clients are almost all a B two B play, and they um, sell into insurance companies, banks, and credit unions. So we're doing a lot of inbound. We're doing a lot of digital. We're doing a lot of trade show stuff. So really, offline and online. And how do you marry those messages and those relationships and all those touch points together? That's sort of how we spend our day. So, you know, people will say, oh, have I ever seen your work? And I'm like, well, probably if you have not read Credit Union Times lately. No. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think that's I think that's one of the challenges for agency folks that we grow up, you know, sort of being enamored with the Super Bowl ads and things like that. But the reality is for most agencies, that's not the kind of work that we do. And especially today, I think that's not the kind of work we do. Clients are, one of the things we do on the AMI side is we every year go out into the field and we do research with CMOs about their relationships with agencies. And um, last year's research was specifically uh, why agencies get hired or fired and uh, remind me I'll email that to you and you can um, put it in the show notes if that would be helpful to the listeners That'd be awesome. Uh, and uh, anyway one of the big things that the, the research showed us uh, 500 CMOs uh, said to us I don't care about marketing I care about prospects leads and sales and so, you know, that's the nitty gritty of the business we do. It's not as sexy sometimes, uh, it's very technical and data driven. And, and so for sort of folks who are creative by nature in the traditional sense, I think that sometimes can be a challenge. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you fall into the profile of the accidental business owner where you had a, perhaps a single skill that uh, either you thought you could go out and do by yourself or whatever it might be. And then you try to translate that skill into becoming a CEO. That can be a large, a large chasm to pass by yourself. So when at AMI, when you guys are working with one of those small agencies trying to grow to that midsize agencies, what are some of the growing pains that you see over and over again that you're coaching folks through or working them through as they uh, begin to lay those foundations, I guess, for a strong business? 
Yeah, you know, so first the first sort of rule of thumb is let's let's figure out what you're doing right and let's figure out what you're doing that's accidentally hurting yourself. And some of the some of the things that always almost always fall in the accidental hurting yourself category are your scope of work is really vague, which means that you're giving away a lot of stuff that you had no intention of giving away that goes ab- above and beyond scope, but your document isn't strong enough for you to be able to go back to the client and say, yes, we absolutely can do that. Or, you know what, this is the 97th revision, um, and, and be paid properly for those things. So for many agencies who are starting out or small, um, and small, by the way, is probably 25 or, or smaller. And then midsize is, is that 25 plus, um, just managing scope creep and all the write-offs of all the time that you spend and not really estimating well. If Even if you got no more clients and you didn't raise your prices, if you could just fix that, for most agencies, they can put another 5 to 10% down onto the net profit line. So that's one of the things. A lot of it's financial. Another thing that is difficult in that sort of growing pain stage is when you start an agency, a lot of times it's just you and some freelancers or it's you and and a buddy or something like that. And um, so you get used to doing everything. And, and that's one of the biggest mistakes that agency owners make is that they keep trying to do everything. The best agency owners I know who are running the most profitable shops are the ones who understand what is their responsibility to the agency, the employees, and the clients, and what is stuff that they should just keep their mitts out of. But many agency owners are, it's a mix of micromanagement, and I'm used to doing it all. And in some cases, I like doing it all. Um, But we really have to learn how to mind our knitting and sort of stay in our own lane. Yeah, especially if if you come from that tactical background, it's always going to be a temptation to want to jump in and have that total control. But you can't scale if you're kind of looking over everyone's shoulder all the time. And, I mean, that goes to team culture as well. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I want to dig into that. But I also want to dig into what you said around not estimating well and scope creep. Because, I mean, every agency hits that. Um, What tips would you offer for folks who are not estimating well right now and want to improve just kind of that narrow area of the business? Well, the the simplest of tips uh, that I will offer, and then I, I'll offer, I'll, we can talk about some things that are a little more detailed, but honestly, the simple thing is um, just do your estimate and then have a multiplier. So if, a, and I don't mean to be sexist, but I work with 250 plus agencies and I'm telling you this is true. If a woman is doing the estimate, multiply it by 1.3. If a guy is doing the estimate, multiply it by 1.5 and you'll be much closer to actually what that project is going to take. So if you do nothing else, just figure out what you think it's going to cost and then multiply it by one of those multipliers. Uh, On a more sophisticated level, um, I think it's about being much more detailed. I think oftentimes by the time a prospect asks us for a scope of work document. We are so excited that we've landed them or that an existing client is doing something new that we create a false sense of urgency that we're like, okay, I'll have it to you tomorrow. Well, they didn't ask for it by tomorrow, but we're so eager to overserve. And what we do when we do that then is we end up sort of just slapping something together as opposed to you know what, I want to really think this through. I'm going to give you three different options that are very detailed. Um, By really having, it's sort of a measure twice, cut once mentality, right? So by doing the estimating well and really having details and milestones of, you know, 
from this step to this step is going to take six days and then you have three days to review and after you review we get another four days because another thing is we often do timelines that are tied to dates and so our client looks at the final date and goes okay i'm going to have it by september 15th but they violate the time because it's it's almost always on the client side that the timeline gets violated they violate it all through the project but in their head it's due september 15th well if you don't give them a hard date but you give them how many work days it's going to take for each phase then you begin to train them that if if you take seven days to review something rather than the two we allotted, we're now going to deliver this five days later. So part of it's managing the client. Part of it is being willing to have difficult conversations, making sure, you know, I teach um, a couple different AE boot camps through the years. And, and what I observe in account folks in agencies is that they believe their job is to keep the client happy. Well, that doesn't always serve the agency well. And I'm not saying it's not partially their job to keep help the client be happy, but it's also their job to help the agency be profitable. Definitely. And it's not and I and I would argue it's not really their job to keep the client happy. It's to help their client accomplish the goals that are gonna get 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 them a promotion or a raise. That's really their job. And that's tied, as you know, um, to prospects and leads and sales. Um, so I think it's also about training your AEs better. You know, our, our methodology at agencies of training AEs is we wait way too long to hire them. And by the time we get them, we're so anxious for them to get started that on day one, we might walk them around the office and introduce them to everybody. But by nine 15, we're saying you have a client meeting and then you have this and you have that. And even at an entry level, that's their training. And so you can't really expect them to behave in the agency's best interest if they don't understand your business. Yeah, definitely. And you won't like, just like you have a process for onboarding a client, you want to have a process for onboarding a team member there too. Cause absolutely. You, yeah. If you throw them in and they're drinking from a fire hose, they're representing your brand, your company through that whole process. So that's not going to give your client a good experience there. Well, and, and even if they're super client oriented, the client may have a great experience in terms of getting everything that they want, but that AE, (laughs) that AE is going to pretty soon be really disliked inside the agency. The creatives are going to dislike that person because they're making promises that are hard to keep. The financial folks are not going to like that AE because they're letting the client run amok against the scope of work and they're not pushing back and they're not saying, look, this is your final revision or whatever it is. And the owner's not going to like it because the client isn't making any money for the agency. So it really is in everybody's best interest to slow that process down, to have onboarding, to get your folks trained. But I, I'm, I'm not stunned anymore because I've been doing it for so long. But, you know, in an AE boot camp, um, we'll have 40 – and I call them kids, but it's really people of all ages. Um, we do a beginner one and an advanced one. And so the advanced one, some of those people have been doing it for 20 years. But anyway, in that class of 40, maybe three or four of them understand how their agency makes money and how they influence if their agency makes or loses money. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy. On the, on the scoping side... Um, as you're working with folks, you've worked with folks for a long time, what does, what's like the max length of time you would put on a project scope? Do you coach retainers at all? Or do you coach more like closed windows in terms of what you're scoping with within? Uh, you know, a lot of times that's client dictated. So every agency wants retainer business and, and, 
I know in the work that you do on the inbound side, that's one of the advantages of that kind of work is that you can build it around a retainer. But as you know, and as your listeners probably know, you know, the, the world of agency of record and, you know, those kind of sweeping contracts where I'm just going to give you a big bucket of money and you just tell me what we're going to do with the money. That's harder and harder to come by more and more clients want project by project. Even if, even if they say to you verbally, you're, you're my guy, you're my agency and I'm going to work with you exclusively, which by the way, they're not doing either. They've got lots of foxes in the hen house, but even if you're the only agency, they still have the comfort of going project by project. And one of the things agencies need to understand is one of the reasons for that is that CMOs are under more pressure than they've ever been before to demonstrate that for every dollar, every marketing dollar they spend, there is some sort of sort of ROI. And depending on the kind of work that your agency does, that's either super easy to prove or is difficult to prove. And so part of this project by project mentality is around I want a tight fence around my agency so that if I have to pull the plug or I have to cut something, it's easier to do. So we work with with <clears throat> agencies all across the board on how do you build project by project scopes of work. And, you know, we talk a lot about giving clients three options so that they have choices and they can kind of control rather than them looking at the one option and saying, yes, I want that, but I don't want to pay $50,000 for it. I want to pay $40,000. And now you're sort of stuck. And then unfortunately, what most AEs do is they go, oh, okay, well, we'll figure out a way to do it for 40, which pretty much tells your client you have no price integrity and you are trying to screw them along the way, right? Yeah. I mean, consistency in that messaging is massive. Like the bigger you get, the the harder it's going to be for you as an owner to maintain that level of consistent communication. Can you talk around processes at all when it comes to communicating with clients, setting timelines, setting scope? Yeah, so important. It's, it's it's not only so important, but agencies hate it. You know that agencies are filled, regardless of the position that you have. Agencies are filled with creative people. They're they're creative in however they come to work, whether they're account people or they're traditional creatives or they're digital folks or they're developers, whatever. They have this sort of creative bent and they like to reinvent the wheel and they like to do it their way. So for many agency owners and employees, words like process and systems um, are not only scary, but they're distasteful. And, And yet you used a word earlier, you absolutely cannot scale without process and system. But many people inside an agency, again, back to our, the earlier part of our conversation, a lot of agency owners are accidental business owners, so they didn't get an MBA or go to business school, and they don't really know how to build process or system. So what they do is they buy a software system, fill, fill in the blank. You know, and, and it could be a free one like you know Basecamp or or <clears throat> Asana at the low level or Workamajig or whatever. Doesn't matter. But they get a software system that they think is going to be the Nirvana solution, and then the, every year they change software solutions because that one's not right. As opposed to recognizing it has nothing to do with the software; it's the people. And you haven't put process and system in how you use the tool to actually let the tool do its job. Yep. Yeah, the tool is just a whiteboard. It's like, what are you, right. you going to put on that whiteboard that's really going to power how the team works together, the type of clients you bring right. on, all touches. Yeah. So process and systems are vital if you want to grow your business. If you want to stay the size you are right now, 
then keep doing exactly what you're doing because that's what got you there. But if you want to double in size or double in profits, um, how you got to where you are today is not going to get you to that next step. And it becomes much more about process and systems the larger you get and the larger your clients get. You know, when you're working with the local butcher baker or candlestick maker, they're as disorganized as you are. And so they don't really recognize that you don't have process or systems. But when you start working with larger companies that have a marketing director or a CMO and you're not working with, you know, the guy who's, you know, making the donuts, um, they are used to process and system on their on their corporate side of the business, even if it's a privately owned business. And when you don't have them, A, it makes them very uncomfortable, but B, it suggests to them that you're not big enough to handle their business. Yeah, it really sets, even if it's just a perception, it sets them off a little bit and it makes any, your margin of error goes way down in that situation. Well, and the, and the other part of that is, you know, you talked about consistency. The other part of that is, um, you know, I was with an agency this week and, and what we discovered in meeting with the account service team, which was about 20 people, um, was that there were certain things that they all had to do. They all agreed that they needed to be done client weekly updates and things like that. But because the agency didn't have a set way of doing them, everyone was doing them in their own way or in their own sort of timing cycle or whatever. And there was no consistency. So if, if you and I are both account execs in that agency and I leave, so you get handed my accounts, all of a sudden the client is getting a completely different way of being communicated to because there is no standard. And, and that's a very dangerous thing to have existing in your agency because you can have no quality control uh, it's much harder to train people to grow into the business. It is much more difficult for eat, for your employees to help each other if they all do it their own way because now there's a learning curve. So there's lots of reasons to have process and system. You just have to get over the agency owners, often the agency owners' reluctance to do it because it doesn't feel creative and cool. It feels corporate, right? You know, sort of yeah. air quotes, corporate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they feel like they're restraining it, but really by giving it structure, they're freeing the creative within that scope of where they're supposed to be. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of tie two things together we've talked about so far. We've talked about owners are kind of reluctant when they get there. They need to learn how to build a business, but as the team grows, they need processes to maintain consistency. How do we bring those things together, um, making sure that we as owners are not over-dominant, that we are – uh, delegating where we need to while at the same time maintaining a healthy team culture. Can you speak to anything in terms of how the, how process and culture and accountability by the owner can make a healthy workplace? Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. Culture is one of those things that, you know, kind of comes in vogue and out again, but in an agency, it's always been a big deal because the reality is we are hiring people who have skill sets that are highly sought after by people on the client side, by other brands, by bigger agencies. And so what, and, and we're never going to pay at the same level that the client side, for example, is going to pay. And our benefit package is never going to be quite what the client side benefit package is going to be. So we've got to create a culture that has to be part of the compensation package that makes us sticky that attracts great employees and keeps great employees. So culture in an agency, and it's not just about being goofy or crazy, although that's certainly part of it. Um, it really is about 
the agency owner being very conscious and intentional about what kind of a culture do I want to create? What are the values of this organization that we are not going to violate? And how do I translate those into the team? So that's part of that. I think as an agency gets larger, when you're small, the agency owner by default makes every decision because A, they're the owner and B, there's it's you and a couple of minions maybe, right? But as an agency gets layers and you have sort of department heads and things like that, you have to evolve your management style to be more of a team management style. And so whether you create a leadership team or you call it something different, there's too much going on for any one person or if you have a business partner, any two or three people to have their finger in everything and to know what's going on. There's this weird place in agency life where an agency owner realizes that they are they no longer know what everyone is doing all day, that it's we've grown enough that I don't really have the handle on the work like I used to. And for some agency owners, that's a really scary moment where you all of a sudden you're like, I don't know what these people do all day. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So again, I think having a leadership team where there's peace of mind in the owner's heart and mind because I may not know what's going on, but my director of account services does for his or her department and my creative director, or whatever your structure is. And I meet with those people regularly to make decisions so that I do know, I just know it through this sort of conduit of my leadership team. So that becomes really critical. And, and I believe that an agency owner's number one job is to grow the business. And so it's really difficult to get out there and sell if you are handcuffed to the business and you can't leave the office because you're afraid the whole thing's going to fall apart yeah. if you are not there, right? Yeah. And also you, a couple of weeks ago, you did a really cool solo cast on your podcast, Building a Better Agency. You talked about the importance of different meeting types within the organization and how to leverage those different meeting types to get kind of everyone on the same page. Um, could you give us like the the high level overview of that structure and how as you're growing that can help an owner who wants to kind of be up to speed, but shouldn't be looking over everyone's shoulder and kind of keep touch with what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's an important topic. No, one of the things that is absolutely true is no matter how good a communicator you are as an agency owner, no matter how often you think you tell your people what's going on, they are hungry for more. And in the absence, because by the way, most of you aren't that great at it, although you may think you are. In the absence of you being a great communicator, um, they fill the void by making stuff up. So you are far better to over-communicate, even, especially even, I was going to say even, but I want to especially the difficult things or the scary things or we lost a big client and here what's, here's what that means or whatever that is. Because I assure you that the truth is nowhere near as horrible as what they make up in their heads. So the kinds of meetings that I talked about in, in the solo cast were, uh, first of all, that every agency needs to have um, a monthly all agency meeting. And that's an opportunity to celebrate the people who are exemplifying the values of your agency and what matters. So it might be somebody who brought in a new client. It might be that you got a great letter from a client or an email about somebody's performance, whatever that may be. So it's about, it's about celebrating the good work because a lot of times we're going so fast, your people don't even see each other's work, let alone get to celebrate when it's good. And again, celebrate it in a way that matters. Like this this ad campaign, whatever it is, or this email series delivered, you know, 
this many opens, this many prospects, this many leads, and they've already closed two sales, whatever that is. So it's not always about that it's pretty or funny, but it's what did it do for the client, which is a great teaching opportunity to reinforce to the employees what you're all about and what matters. It's also the place uh, I'm a firm believer in uh, open book management style. So you cannot expect your employees to behave a sentence I hear out of every agency owner's mouth is, I wish my employees acted like they owned the place. Yep. Well, mm-hmm. they they can't if they don't understand what that means. So if you don't help them understand the implications of finance and you don't help them understand well, how, how AGI and agency finance works, how in the world can they help you get to where you're going to go? So if they don't know the goal, if they don't know where the finish line is, then they just are like monkeys in a box doing their job but they're not thinking about the bigger picture. So that monthly meeting is a great place to talk about your goals. And it's not just financial goals, but what are the goals of the agency and how far are we to getting to there? What, what are we working on? What are we doing? It's a great place to do new business updates. It's also a great place to say, hey, I've heard that some of you are worried about X, Y, Z. Let me address that issue. Gotcha. So. You know, it's great for an agency owner to have folks inside the shop that go, hey, by the way, because so-and-so left, people are wondering if you're going to fill that position or whatever. Because the truth is the agency owner often is the most ignorant person in the shop about what's being said in the shop. So whenever you can you can address those sort of rumors and then also being open to asking, hey, does anybody have something that they want to ask or talk about or share? So those are sort of the monthly meetings. And then I think you know, at least a couple times a year or quarterly, there needs to be some sort of um, half day sort of we're going to focus on the agency. So it might be a time that you work on, um, you might work on a system or a process and you're going to kind of bang out how are we going to do this and sort of do some role playing or some scenarios of let's let's walk an actual client through this and make sure it works. And then some team building along the way. Um, it's good every once in a while to get your head out of the day to day and think bigger picture about the agency. Um, and then I think, you know, you should have a, a, at least one big annual meeting that is really celebrating. Here's what we've done. Here's where we're going. Um, and, and there are lots of other kinds of meetings you need to have. I mean, I also think that it's important to have sort of impromptu fun meetings and agencies are usually pretty good at that. So, you know, it's a five minute, everybody gather around where, wherever your agency gathers because somebody brought, it's always around food for some reason, somebody brought brownies or fresh fruit or whatever it is, (laughs) but we're, we're, we're good at the impromptu food stuff, but we're not good at the information downloading that needs to happen uh, yeah. in agencies. And I, and I promise you, even if you think you're great at it, um, they want more. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think like the, the, the tone of every meeting that you shared is almost like lift your head up from your work. Cause we're always grinding. We're always creating stuff. We're always delivering, but lift your head up and let's get a picture of where are we going together and get everyone kind of united around that vision in different ways through different methods on those different types of meetings. But that's kind of the tone is just let's make sure that we're all kind of got our eyes in the same goal, essentially. And, and I think one of the things that agency owners forget is a big part of our job is to fire them up and get them excited about working there and get them excited about where we're headed and get them excited about how we are helping our clients grow their business. You know, we're not saving lives. We're not pulling puppies out of burning buildings. I know that. But the work we do is important and it's really important to our clients. I mean, a lot of times our work is is 
what decides if somebody keeps their job. So our work matter and, and, and it matters in a way that we can talk about and celebrate. And we're not really good at that. We're usually, to your point, we're usually our heads down going as fast as we can that we rarely stop and look up either a, to look behind us and go, wow, we've really made great ground and we're really a lot farther than we were or B to look ahead and say, here's where we're headed next. And that really, that responsibility sits at the agency owner's feet. And the more honest you are about the hard stuff, the more they will absorb and welcome the good stuff. Because if all you are is a cheerleader, then they know there's stuff you're not saying and you actually create distrust. Yeah, I see that. Man, Drew, awesome insight here. Thank you for just opening up. You, I mean, I can just tell that you have experience working with other agencies seen inside their organizations, but also you've walked the walk yourself. And so we hear that coming across in, in the information you're sharing here today. Would you take uh, a few moments here as we close out um, and share with us, the audience, a little bit about your podcast, um, the type of guests that you bring on there, some of the solo casts that you do, the nuggets that are shared on there, uh, where they can find more information if they're looking for it? Sure. So home base for me is agencymanagementinstitute.com. You can find out about our workshops, about the podcast, about all of that. But the podcast specifically, that's that's been a fun new adventure. We started it in October um, and the podcast is called Build a Better Agency. And uh, for four episodes, every episode I have a guest and I have a conversation very much like the one you and I are having now where we're just sort of talking about some aspect of the business. And my guests range from agency owners who have done something that I think other agency owners need to hear about to subject matter experts, um, people who help agencies buy and sell other agencies, uh, people who are excellent at project management. Um, I had an intellectual property attorney on there talking about how, what rights we should be protecting when we create work for clients and what all that looks like, especially out on the web. Um, so you name it, anything that I think is going to help an agency owner run their business better. And then the solo cast, every fifth episode is a podcast where it's just me and I'm just talking about a topic or teaching to a topic that I have had bubbling up a lot in my conversations with agency owners. So I probably talk to five to 10 agency owners every day about something. And so after a while, I start to see patterns and trends. So like, for example, one of the solo casts I did was all around the new overtime law that's coming um, in that comes live in December and how agencies, a lot of agencies have a lot of employees who fall below that 47-7 threshold. And all of a sudden, every hour they work over 40, which in an agency often happens, is going to be time and a half. And so just talked about how agencies are facing that and how to problem solve through that for your agency and decide the best way to handle that situation. So I just try and pick a topic, speak to it for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes um, and then and then let everybody go. So it's been a, it's been a fun journey. I'm really enjoying the podcast and I'm excited that uh, you're going to be a guest soon. Yeah, I'm excited. We're, we're going uh, to flip roles. Yeah, we're going to do a back to back here. I'm excited about that. I've been enjoying your podcast. And so if you're a regular listener of Inbound Agency Journey, uh, head over, check out Build a Better Agency. You're going to love the content that Drew is sharing over there, the guests that he's bringing on, some really high-caliber folks, some good niche folks, uh, and you guys are going to learn a lot there. So, Drew, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share your uh, share your story here uh, with these folks, and we look forward to doing it again sometime. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.